0: If you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 22, and everyone, if you would go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. We believe in standing for the Word of the Lord at Evangel, amen. So good to see each and every one of you, and before we uh, jump in, um, I want to, Pastor mentioned we all went went snow skiing together, and so I wanted to show you the miracle that was on the mountain last um, week. That's Pastor Gary up on the mountain. I don't know how Olaf made it into the picture on the bottom left-hand corner, but he did. I'm glad that's the only thing that made it into the picture after all the memes going around this week. Um, But that's Pastor up on the mountain skiing. He did a phenomenal job, and that is an absolute Miracle to see what what God has done after this past year and all that he has been through. And so we're just thankful, thankful for all of God's goodness. And we got to enjoy a wonderful time together um, this past week, uh, snow skiing together. It's a great family pastime uh, for us. But Genesis chapter 22, verse one, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, And he said, here I am. When God calls your name, what's your response? I'm glad that's your response. I hope that's your response all the time, right? But probably sometimes it doesn't easily come like that. He said, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Now we know at this point, he had already had Ishmael. And so the commentary said that he's not referring to only in numbers, but only in value. Because there was only ever one that was promised to have a seed that would come through him. And he says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering. He arose and went to the place which God had told him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray, Father, that it would cut within our hearts and our lives today to help create an altered state within each and every one of us. Father, we love you. We love your word, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. The title of my message today is Altered State, and this will probably cost me a shopping trip out at the town center because my wife loves this store. I guess it's supposed to help alter uh, your your, your appearance, but when you go in there, the price tags are a little bit pricey, so I only let her shop in the back of the store located in the clearance section, right? That's where I can afford is that area of the store. We love altering our appearance. Hence, why do you think filters were created on social media? So we could get instant Photoshop that we can take a picture that looks eh and make it look like wow, wow. We love the altered state to make us look good, but God is not overly concerned that we look good. He's more concerned that we are good. right? We're caught up with how we look in our society, but he's caught up in how we are. And to do so, he often must create within our lives an altered state. Not the store, thankfully, otherwise we'd all be bankrupt. But one that is very, very costly. One that is not comfortable or easy to attain. But one that is completely and absolutely necessary. And this passage of scripture was a moment of altering for both Abraham and Isaac, as you can imagine. From a father's perspective of offering the promise Back to the Lord. But from the son's perspective of, Dad, have you lost your mind? You want me to get on that altar and do what? I mean, if we put ourselves in Isaac's shoes, if we thought of this story from Isaac's perspective and what he told Jacob and Esau and the grandchildren in decades to come, listen, you don't know how crazy your grandfather actually was what Father Abraham would actually do. Right? And so this was an altering moment for both of them. It's a tough passage of Scripture if we are honest. And not all Scripture is easy, but the Word of God teaches us that all Scripture is profitable. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, See, Paul does not say that every bit of scripture is comfortable, but it is all profitable. See, God ain't worried about us being comfortable in this life, which is why he gives us scripture, which makes us uncomfortable, because pretty much everything that God has for us is typically located on the other side of our comfort zone. You know, we can think often that we've got fire assurance and that we're good in in life, but God is more concerned with our profitability than us being comfortable in the life that we are living God is more concerned in our profitability. He's concerned in our fruitfulness. Are you profitable in the kingdom of heaven? Are you bringing gain to the kingdom of heaven? When Jesus checks the balance sheets of the kingdom of heaven, is he seeing the trend analysis of your life that is increasing? When he looks at the general ledger of the kingdom of heaven, is he seeing believers that are growing in likeness, growing in who he is because he's concerned with our profitability? Scripture is profitable for teaching, which means there must be a student. And if a student, there must be a test. And we don't like tests. I know I didn't like tests. I like the A, but I didn't like the test because I didn't want the work that went into the test, right? A test to see how well the student understands the material that is being taught. For reproof or for reprimand. That means that the word of God is going to step on our toes. Yeah? Sometimes when we go into the house of the Lord and we hear the word of the Lord, our toes begin to curl in. Because sometimes the word of God is hard. And Peter even attests to it and says, listen, some of the stuff that Paul teaches is very, very difficult. But the word of God is profitable for reproof, for reprimand, for correction. The scripture says the Lord loves the child whom he corrects. But for training and righteousness and training doesn't happen through osmosis through the gentleness of life but it typically happens in environments of rigor. Training is not easy typically it's more like a boot camp. So scripture ain't always comfortable but it is always profitable. God work ain't always comfortable but it is always profitable. And this is where we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 22. God is testing Abraham to create an altered state. God asked him to offer his son as a sacrifice and although he does not allow him to go through with it, in fact, God has never been in favor of nor desired human sacrifice, which is why our hearts break for the 61 million children who have been offered on the altar of Roe v. Wade, which is institutionalized genocide. The greatest genocide in human history up to this point was the Holocaust, then Roe v. Wade. And the Holocaust was only 10% of what Roe v. Wade currently is. God will never be in favor of child sacrifice and will severely punish those who enable it. And God, in this instance, is asking Abraham, not allowing him to go through with it, but he asked him to offer his son. See, this quite honestly might be for any parent where we would draw the line, like, God, I don't know about... This one, right? I know you've, you've asked a lot of things in the past and I've seen, I can understand how those all worked out. But, but this one right here, we're gonna uh, draw a line. Know this, that God will test man. But know this as well, that God will exact nothing from you that he will not first exact from himself. In fact, God will always exact more from himself than he will ever exact from us. When God tests us, his desire is to change things. To shift things, to create in us a different state, an altered state. I want you to go ahead and say that with me this morning, an altered state. Come on, say it with me, altered state. See, Abraham, he wasn't a spring chicken at this point. He had lived a long, long, long life at this point, longer than the life expectancy of most Americans. And after walking with God for decade after decade after decade, God looks at him and says, son, you need another test. Like, this is what I get for my faithfulness, another test. See, don't you... Wish that after walking with God for decades, he would decrease the severity and the frequency of the test as you mature in him. But walking in God does not insulate us. Final greatest test of all, the one where we have to cross the other side, where our faith becomes sight. And we have to pass through the waters of death to see our Lord. is probably the most difficult test, testing everything that we will ever learn in this life. God will take us to some things, but he will always be faithful to take us through those things. Isaiah 43 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. See, this was the case for Abraham at this point. Abraham was so wealthy, but God was not after his stuff. He was after his heart. He was after an altered state, so he tested him. See, God had created this covenant in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham that if he would leave his family, if he would leave his place where he was living, and he would go into an unfamiliar place that God would bless him and that through him, His name would be great and he would be a blessing. And even though Abram at this point didn't see the promise of God, he took God at his word. He took God at his word. Are there any believers in here today that you would say your word is Enough. Your word is sufficient. Your word is all I need, that I might not see the end, I might not see it all manifesting out, but you've spoken it, so I will believe it in my heart. He had to journey to a land he did not know. He had to go to an unknown place in an uncomfortable place. See, God will often call us to sail in ships of faith on seas of uncertainty. He'll often tell us to get into this ship, this beautiful ship called Faith, but he'll allow us to sail on the sea of uncertainty. And it's in those seas that he will test us. It's on those seas that he desires to create within our life an altered state because as we wade through these waters of uncertainty, he will be sure to find out whether or not we stand on a solid rock, namely Jesus Christ, a firm foundation. See, God told Abram, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain of which I shall tell you. The son whom you love, the son who is the heir, the son who is to become a nation, the son in whom the promise rests. God tests us with the things that we treasure the most. That's why Jesus would say, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If God is going to alter us, it will never be with things that we do not care about. It will be with the things that are most valuable to our lives. If God is going to alter us, he will take some of the most prized things that we possess and use those things to create within us an altered state. See, Isaac was Abraham's first fruits. We've been talking a lot about first fruits recently because we're at the first part of the year, and at the first part of the year, we like to give the best of ourselves back to God. And so, Isaac was Abraham's first fruits, the promise of God. And God wanted Abraham to offer back to him what he had just given to Abraham a chapter beforehand. Sometimes in life, God will give us something in one chapter and say, hey, I want you to offer it back to me in the next chapter to see where your faith really lies. Do you have faith in the promise or do you have faith in the one who made the promise to you in the the first place? See, God can give you something in one chapter and then in another. We're having to present it right back. Sometimes he'll do that even with our finances in what's called the tithe. Right, He tells us that the tithe is a holy portion, a consecrated portion, which is why we offer the first fruits of our income back to him. Our God is a God of the first fruits because first fruits unlocks God's covenant blessing on the rest of our lives. Why do we fast at the beginning of the year? Why do we give the first part of our day to our Lord when we wake up? Why do we invest our offerings at the first part of the year? Because God is a God of first fruits. And God calls Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, a first fruits offering. See, God doesn't allow Abraham to actually sacrifice his son. He just asks him to offer his son. God will never allow you or never ask you to sacrifice your family, but just always be willing to offer them back to the one who gave them to you in the first place. Romans 12, one says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, God does this to test Abraham. And what does Abraham do? He obeys. I love what one writer and one commentary would remark about, he would say, as he walked toward Moriah, Abraham with Isaac. Abraham must have felt confused and heartbroken beyond words. He didn't understand all that God was doing, right? None of us would understand all that God is doing in that moment, but he didn't know what God was illustrating for God's people for all time, what justifying faith actually looked like. He didn't know that this act would foreshadow the sacrifice of God's only son, a son who would end up not being spared. Because he was the provided lamb for all of mankind, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He only knew that God knew what he was doing. And that's what faith is. Even though we might not know what he is doing, we trust and believe that God knows what God is doing. That's what faith is, it's not us having an assurance in ourselves and in our understanding and our ability to comprehend the mind of God. Faith is knowing that God knows what he's doing and trusting him in spite of what everything else may look like. He only knew that God knew what he was doing and that God could be trusted to keep his promise even if it appeared like his promise was going to die. And God proved himself faithful to Abraham. And he will prove himself faithful to us as well. So what does Abraham do? He obeys. God's test resulted in Abraham's obedience. I want you to think of this. He goes and he gets the donkey. Abraham was a wealthy man. He gets it out of the stable. He goes, knowing in his mind what he's having to do, go up the mountain to Offer his son as a sacrifice. He puts a saddle on the donkey. He makes sure he's got provision for the journey, right? He's getting the fire. He's getting the knife. He goes and he chops the, the wood, right? He's getting all of the provisions necessary ready for this journey that he's about to embark on, to offer. He obeys at the highest level. How do you respond when God tests you? If one of our and our, our if you will sit back there with our sister, please. Um, when God makes a covenant of extreme blessing, You better be ready to walk in extreme obedience. I want you to think of this. God made a covenant of extreme blessing with Abraham. And when he did, we better be ready to walk in extreme obedience to the one who gives us the covenant. Verse four, Abraham tells his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go and worship and we will come back. If this is the first time that you had read this story, if you hadn't grown up in Sunday school with the felt boards and all of that good stuff, you wouldn't know the end of the story. Sometimes our knowledge, it takes away the impact of what some of these stories are in the scripture. And so when we read this, we'd be calculating in our mind and thinking in our mind, what is Abraham talking about? He's getting ready to go and offer his son as a sacrifice. What do you mean he is going to come back with him? You would be curious about what Abraham says. Abraham is prophesying to his son promise. Abraham knew that in spite of the test, God had already made him a promise, and if God had made him a promise, he knew in faith that God would be sure to have provision for the promise to come a reality in his life, and I'm here to tell you today that if God has made you a promise, he will make the provision necessary to fulfill the promise, each and every promise that he has given into your life. When he makes extreme covenant, if we will walk in extreme obedience, he He will provide everything that is needed to fulfill the promise that he has given. We just got to hold on to our faith. At times, our faith will require us to lay the promise up on the altar to show that we're not trusting in the promise. We're trusting in the God who gave the promise to us in the first place. See, the promise had to get on the altar. The promise looked like it was gonna die. And what does Abraham do? He prophesies to the promise. I don't know how we're gonna come back. I just know we will come back. Sometimes we don't know how. We're gonna get from point A to point B in life. We just know that if we will embark on a journey with God, He will be sure to take us, that He who has brought us will be sure to lead us all the way through you just got to have the faith that he will take us through it. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Abraham believed God, sought the kingdom of God first, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Listen to what he does, he grabs his son named Isaac and what does he do? He takes the wood that was going to be used to build the altar and he lays it on his son's Isaac back and they begin to ascend up Mount Moriah giving a picture of what's to come a thousand years later when Jesus Christ also would take on himself a cross given by the Father to the Son and would begin to ascend Mount Moriah to atone for the sins of all mankind. Verse seven, there's so much here. Isaac even asked his dad, says, daddy, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? We got the wood, we got the the fire, but what about the lamb? I love Abraham's response. He says, son, God will provide for himself the lamb. God will provide for himself. I want you to say that, God will provide for himself. See, we cannot ever, We cannot ever give God what God demands and what God needs. He's got to provide for himself the thing that he demands and he did so because Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world and then it was fulfilled on Calvary 2,000 years ago when Jesus Became the sacrifice for God Himself, because God will provide for Himself the very thing that is needed. What are you communicating, Mama and Daddy, to your posterity when times of testing come, when things get difficult, when we have years of 2020? Are you putting your faith in in Jesus, or are you allowing the fear to overshadow your faith? This is faith. He's prophesying to the end. Even when we have to surrender our promise, we must continue to prophesy life over the promise. Uh, Abraham was in the process of surrendering and offering the promise God had given him back to God, but he's continuing to prophesy life, future, hope over the promise that God had given him. Why, because God was creating in Abraham an altered state. He had to alter the state of Abraham's life. We must teach the upcoming generations that regardless, like come what may, that God will provide. God will provide for himself the lamb. God became the very thing that God needed. God became the very thing that God needed. God became the very thing that God needed. He knows my needs and he will become, right? He became so I can become. He is going to provide everything that is needed in my life. He will take care of everything that is there. What are we communicating to our progeny? What are we communicating to our posterity? Are you teaching that even when he's altering us, he still will provide for us? Verse 9: Abraham, he arrives to the place of sacrifice and lays his son on the altar. And as he is preparing to slaughter his son, the angel of the Lord calls and says, Abraham, Abraham, do not touch him, for I know that you fear me. Such a tough passage. Abraham looks up, sees a ram caught in the thicket, takes his son off the altar and sacrifices the ram. That's where we get the term substitutionary atonement. When we should have paid, but God created a substitute. We can never repay the debt of sin. We can never repay the debt of love that we owe. It's impossible. That's why God provided for himself the very thing that was needed to take away your sin and to take away my sin. So Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. And so it is said, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Worship team, if you would come to the stage. Sir, ma'am, God has a substitute ready for you today if we will just lay down our lives if we will just offer back to god the very thing that he gave us in the first place he has a substitute where does it take place on mount moriah mount moriah i want you to listen to this as the worship team is coming mount moriah is no ordinary mountain Because of this, it was named the mountain on which the Lord will provide. On this mountain, King David would buy a threshing floor and would make a sacrifice for Israel in which a plague would be stayed. From coming over the rest of Israel. On this mountain, the same spot on this threshing floor, the, the, the mountain where the Lord will provide, King Solomon built the temple and thousands upon thousands upon uh, of lambs were sacrificed so that there could be a sin offering made to a, a holy God. And then on this mountain, Mount Moriah, where Isaac was going to be sacrificed, there was a hill that would be called Calvary where the Lamb of God, Jesus, he would be crucified for the sins of the world. Why? Because God will always provide for himself the very thing that is needed. He will not ask us to offer that to him. Only he himself can bear the sin and the shame that we have on our lives. On this mountain, God would fulfill the covenant with Abraham and blessing the nations of the world with an open door to salvation for all mankind. Church, when our God makes a covenant, He keeps it. But watch this. In our obedience, he will often expand it. God made a covenant with Abraham, but when Abraham obeyed, he expanded the covenant. See, God initially told Abraham he would be a great nation, number one. And that was when he would journey to modern-day Israel. Number two, in circumcision at 99, the covenant was made that his seed would bless all the offspring of the world. And he followed through. And what happened? The covenant expanded, right? But then in the third, in the cumulative test, where he was to offer Isaac on the altar. Watch this. God expands the covenant by telling Abraham in the following verses that his seed not would only just bless the entire earth, but his seed would possess the gates of his enemies. And so when he followed through an extreme obedience to the extreme covenant, God enlarged the place. God enlarged the covenant. He expanded it. There hasn't been one covenant that God has not kept. The question is, will we consecrate our lives and ourselves to fulfill our end of the covenant? He might ask for the promise that he gave us to be placed back on the altar. But if he promised it, he will provide for it. God's desire is that we live in an altered state. And to do so, he will test us. He will check our faith, see if we are willing to offer our first fruits he will be faithful to provide. He'll be the faithful to keep his covenant. But we must be fully consecrated to him if he's going to create an altered state in our lives. If you would go ahead and stand with me this morning. It's January. It's first fruits. It's fasting. It's consecration time it's about the altar are we willing to get on that altar this morning Jesus got on his altar on Calvary I heard evangelist kalenda preach it last week watching online that we lay aside the weights right not just the sins but the weights there's a lot of weight God wants to release you of today. It's done at the altar. It's done at the altar. So, with every head bowed, eyes closed this morning, if you're here and there's things that you need to surrender to the Lord at the altar this morning, I want to pray with you. We're going to pray together in just a moment, but if you need to surrender it, the foot of Christ Jesus, the foot of the cross, If you're here and there's weight, there's sin that needs to be laid aside, sin that's keeping you from walking in full obedience to Him. If you're here this morning and that's you, I want you to slip up your hand all across this room. Heaven and hell are real, y'all. Heaven and hell are real. And God wants you to live in complete and total freedom in your life. Amen, amen, amen. Let's all pray this prayer together this morning. Say, dear Jesus, Thank you for providing salvation for my life. Thank you for becoming my substitute so that I could become a child. I ask that you would forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me and help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time and surrendering yourself back to him there's a number on the screen behind me that listen it's not if the test come it's when the test come we are going to need people to help support us and build us up in those times and really in every time of life that's why spiritual growth what we call discipleship help happens best in the context of life giving community we need to and we want to help you take that next step forward in life which is why we are so passionate about you texting that number or putting in a card just because you got to have help in taking that next step forward god has not intended you to live alone and to be alone but to grow in him and so today you can sign up in one of our e-groups out in the back so that you can help be built up in biblical community. Or maybe the next step for you in your spiritual journey is serving and getting involved. You can sign up out there today. We've gotta be in this thing together. We've gotta be in this thing together. As the worship team comes, I want us to take a moment. And I want you to build an altar at your seat. It's 12.03. I'm gonna read the ironic Blessing. We'll pray for healing in just a moment. But I want you to take a moment And I want you to pray. Humble yourself before the Lord. And I want you to just examine your heart. Take a moment. Examine your life. The things that need to be surrendered, consecrated, given to Him at the beginning of the year that don't need to go into the rest of the year. Come on, just take a moment. We'll close out in just a second. But take this moment. Church, declare this out this morning. You can have it all. Every part of our lives. This morning and you need healing in your body I want you to slip your hand up real quick just slip your hand up if you're in here I'm thankful that we serve a God who is a healer I want you to take that hand and I just want you to place it on your body whatever part maybe is hurting or needs attention and we're going to speak life and health we're going to declare health over pastor but over all of you there's so many times in settings where people can't actually lay hands we believe in the power of it and so we just declare life and health as you lay hands on yourself this morning father we just speak life we speak healing i thank you that you are a god who still heals today you change not what you did yesterday you do today. And so God, we release life, we release health, we release wholeness to flow through all of the people who are in this room this morning that need a miracle. God, I thank you that by your stripes, we are healed. And so Father, we walk in the atonement. We walk in the provision, God, that you have already made. God, you put our healing in the bank. And so, Father, as it was credited to Abraham because he believed it in righteousness, Father, we declare that as we believe this today, that, God, we are walking out and living out our healing in this room today. So let life and help flow forth through your house today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you would slip up your hands, Numbers chapter 6 says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God and I will bless them. Father, we bless your people today that God your glory would go before says the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to Aaron and his sons saying thus you shall bless the people of God you shall say to them the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace so shall they put my name upon the people of God and I will bless them Father we bless your people today that God your glory would go before them your anointing would rest on them your spirit would empower them and God that we would see you use us to see your kingdom expanded on this earth as it is in heaven in Jesus name we pray Amen and Amen Yeah, that's is- it.